I'll tell you something I love about being in France, in addition to some seriously delicious butter, and that is the wide selection of wines I can find in France for low prices. It can be much more difficult to source those same bottles back in the States, and that's why I love to buy wines out of France with Ideal Wine. I have bottles shipped to me, hassle-free. It's easy. Ideal Wine has a new auction every week and is a great source for iconic names like Ouette, Louis Roeder, and Domaine Lefleve, as well as rising stars like Arnaud Lachaud, Gonon, and Tissot. Find the wines you'd rather be drinking at idealwine.com. That's I-D-E-A-L-W-I-N-E.com and have the wine shipped to you in the States. Use the promo code FIRST, F-I-R-S-T, for $15 off your first order of $150 or more. Hey, that's $15 you could save, and that is some good butter money. See for yourself at Ideal Wine. I'll drink to that, where we get behind the scenes of the beverage business. I'm Levy Dalton. I'm Erin Scala. And here's our show today. Arnaud Lambert of Domaine de Saint-Just in the Loire Valley, and then also Chateau de Brézé. Hello, sir. How are you? Ah, fine. Thank you. Very nice to have you here. So your father, Yves Lambert, purchased Saint-Just in 96. Yes, it's not purchased. He just created it. So my father made his studies uh, in Normandy with my mother, then stayed there for 20 years. And then in, at uh, 40, 45, 47 years old, my father changed his mind. And then came back, he got some vineyard from my mother, replant uh, some vineyards since uh, 1983, just to prepare his comeback, and then uh, created uh, the Domaine Saint-Just, created the new winery, I remember in 1996, the first time, because it's at, on that time that I began to study his wine uh, in Bordeaux, but I came back in Saumur sometimes. And he got just to tank just out, and that's what the beginning of Domaine Saint-Just. Because it, originally you hadn't been studying wine at that time. You'd been in a, a different field in college. So when my father began to start Domaine Saint-Just, because I didn't know what uh, I wanted to do, but then it created, so I started to study uh, wine. So two years in Bordeaux to make like a BTS, is very technical things, in Montagne Saint-Emilion was great. And then go to, or went to Dijon at the university. And that's at the place that I, I met a lot of good friends. In my class, there is like Louis-Michel Ligébeler, there was uh, David Croix. We got a very great, uh, great uh, friends there. And then, uh, because, you know, when you need to run uh, vineyards, it's not a question of uh, sometimes of uh, plants, but economics. So I spent one time in Brittany, in Rennes, to study how to manage uh, an estate. And then I worked for two years uh, in the cooperage in Bordeaux. It was very, very good to to sell the barrels, then wait one years and then retest the barrels and see what kind of foods, what's good on each region. So... Then I came back at my uh, family estate in 2005. I mean, it'd be interesting to come from the cooperage side. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it's another uh, level for me when you make some wines. 70% is just the work you do on the soils and every year. And then 
if you get a very well balanced on your salt, all the energy will go in the leaves, then go to the berries, then you need to cut it at the right and perfect moment. But then in the vinifications, you make any intervention. So that's why I learned for the last 10 years. And then that's the part of the aging, that the 30% that uh, rests, so 70% for the soils, perhaps 10% when you make the vinification and 20% when you edge the wines. And when you edge the wines, yes, at the beginning, you need to make some choice. Sometimes I make you make the wrong choice, but that's your choice. So, and then you can just come back and go on another way. So that's why for me, when you are a, wine, a very young winemaker, it takes a lot of time, perhaps 10 to 15 years to understand your soil, to put the good aging in front of that. And that's why I was always talking about the Clorougeard in Origins. It's like a legend, but these two brothers, they were like uh, 60 years old. So in one generation, you can make like uh, 40 harvest, but when you are two, it's like 80. So that bring uh, a bigger experience. So that's where, where I want to know. So with that aging and every year you open a door, you say, yeah, I find something, but no, it's never finished. And your father was friendly with the Rougeard team. Yes, yeah, with uh, more with our two brothers, more with uh, Charlie, and so they share some some good moment together, and so that's why. And I like the the way they make some wine and all the also the uh, humility of that guy. Just test, test the wine, never say if it's it was not good, it was not. Never test that. Just give you perhaps some key that then you can use if you want to progress, but don't give you the the good way. So you tasted wine with them. Sometimes not often because I don't want to, you know, to take the phone and say, yeah, I want to test. It's not so, I just to learn by myself. But I remember one time with my father, we spent a lot of uh, time with uh, Charlie in, in the cellar, like uh, four hours, you know, just on the, on the other ground. And so it was, we taste, it was beautiful because the vintage we taste were like between 90, 97 to under. So was was great was great we tested some some coteau de saumur from the clorougeard that is just uh you can find it just drink it <laughs> because it's funny because at the time you probably didn't know that you would be making wine from the Brezé hill like they make wine from the Brezé hill when you tasted with them yes yes it's uh Brezé, it was uh, uh it was like uh something very new for me and so because I, when I come back, so my family estate is more located on the slope of Saint-Cyrambourg, which is a beautiful slope. It's one of the ninth uh, village of the AOP Saumur-Champigny. It's the, the one which is more on the, on the south of the AOP, just the last one. Then after you are in Brézé, and Brézé is not in the AOP Saumur-Champigny. It's just uh, Saumur. Just a question of human when they created uh, the AOP in 1957. The people from Brazil didn't want to go on the OP, which was more involved on the reds than on the white. And Brazil was planted with white grapes at this time. And so I was uh, more used with the, the clay. I got some heavy clay with sometimes mix of sand, but more heavy clay and shadow soil. But, uh, you know, with the clay, you can go more on extractions. And, uh, also I learned a lot. Uh, I make a lot of, uh, 
bad things on my <laughs> on my grapes and so a lot of extractions and so but with the clay with the times the wines that's you lose something very subtle and elegant but anyway it could be it stay good and so i did the same at Brezé when i came back and the first vinifications between 2009 and 2011 and so it was just very very bad very bad <laughs> because it's not the <laughs> yeah because <laughs> there's no clay in Brezé because on my soil Brezé is uh, one of the most heterogeneous soils in our regions that's why the people who know the Brezé wines uh, from the Clorougeard from Domaine Guiberto from Domaine uh, du Collier from Antoine Foucault and then me, well, just four. Brazil, it's like 400 hectares. Uh, there is a lot of uh, wine grower, but the wine maker as us in organic culture were just four. So I got 21 hectares. And with these three other uh, wine maker, perhaps we get like 40 hectares, but not more. All the rest of the grapes go to the cooperative. And so, and so on that soils, so there is some limestone, shallow salt everywhere. 35 to 80 centimeters of subsoils. The subsoil have been made by, uh, you know, alluvion river. So the most important part is called Bourgain, uh, where you can find the brésé from Domaine Guiberto, the brésé from Clorouja. It's heavy clay. And me, I got uh, eight different claw. Each claw, the soil is different, but on average, there is no clay, more sand or alluvion and a lot of uh, rocks. So that's totally different from what I get in Saint-Cyr. And so with that type of soil, I just uh, I learned that a few years ago, you need to be very delicate and you need just to be confident with your soils and then the, don't touch the grapes. And that's very, very difficult when you work for one year in your vineyards you care about the vegetal, about the grapes, and then for the vinification, just do nothing. Just control and make very short macerations. And so it's just something like amazing, but that's the way from my wine on my clue. If you speak with uh, Antoine Foucault, I'm sure he's not, uh, not on the same way. Brezé for Clorougeat's only white. They don't have any reds in Brezé. And they don't uh, make the same vinifications. So... The wine are very good after 10 years. If you sometimes if you open the, that wine too early, you get all the impact of the aging and you lose the quality of the salts. But if you, if you are patient with the wines, it's like uh, give you a very good uh, feedback. So me, what I liked because um, as I said, I make a lot of uh, bad uh, choice. But when I did it, I didn't think that it was bad. It was just my choice at this time. When I came back in my domain, I was like a, like a newborn on that, with no ID. So I, the one I'm making now, uh, it's the wine that I just imagined in my mind. So very elegant and pure, with a lot of texture, but no extractions. And so when I um, test the barrels, when I, I decide to uh, rack over for the vinification, that's in my mind. It's really interesting because basically your father and you get into wine at a serious level at the same time, roughly, which is unusual in most families. It doesn't happen that way. And then he begins something, but then he, he passed away and you really had to take the reins. 
So there's been like a couple of different beginnings in a way. Yes, it's when the people, they ask me uh, how many generations work on your vineyard. And I say, I'm just one and a half. I'm not the second, I'm the one and a half because when I came back and I, I was asking my father to come back on the domain because, you know, it was just uh, 10 years that he created the domain in um, 2005. So when you, you create a domain, you need like 20 years. And so it was not very easy. My father, he, he don't have a lot of uh, money. So it was quite hard in the, like uh, to run the vineyard in a good way. And so, but uh, when I taste that the one he, he did, I said, they are good, but there is a lack of something because my father, he didn't study his wines. He was very good in marketing, very good to make the promotion of the wines. So we complete uh, each other. I was, uh, when I came back, I just take care about the vineyard, the vinifications, and just to promote the wines. So that was, that was great. And so that's a shame that he passed away in 2011 because that's a shame and not because uh, sometimes you, when you are two on the domains, you need to, to make the wines that uh, are pleasant for, the, for both. When you are alone, it's more difficult because I've got a very big domain now and it was like created for two people. Uh, but at the end, I do what I want, you know. So, yeah, I'm proud of what we, we did together. Because what happened was and you had the family holding there that he had started, which was in Samur Champagny, and then this historical property in Samur gets rented to you. And it's, it's a sizable amount of uh, vineyards. And that happened in 2009 when your dad was still alive. And, you know, obviously it wasn't known that he was going to die. And so then by 11, you're on your own with now these additional hectare. Yeah, yes. It's um, so because this property on the Chateau de Brézé, so it's a vineyard. So it's, there is like eight different clothes, so 20 hectares, 21 hectares. Just amazing. And a lot of people from the last 15 years, they asked to the owner to take care about his vineyard because everybody knew that it was not very uh, rent on a good uh, quality, just quantity, but not quality. And my father was very um, close to the grandmother of the owner when he was uh, young. And so, and also the, the owner just uh, show showed what my father did in few years on the Domaine Saint-Just. And also, that was a very good quality of my father, that he was very good in perspective, you know. He was the first one who trust in the sparkling, the first one who trust in the Chenin in 1997. He spent a lot of time to make the promotion of the Chenin. Nobody's trust in the Chenin at this time. So that's why also the owner of Brezé just asked him to, to run the vineyards. But uh, yes, it was like uh, 20 hectares in Saint-Just. And then in, in one year, we get like uh, 40 hectares. And so, and at this time also, I decided to, to, to make the conversion of the vineyard in organic culture. And I did the same when I ran the vineyards in, from Brazil 9 and turned everything in organic culture. But uh, this, this vineyard, my father always told me that it was a gift for me. But, you know, uh, I answered him that the, the, the box was, em was empty. So, Because <laughs> <laughs> so. we think of Brezé as like this big famous thing here in New York. I think maybe because of the reputation that Clos Rougeard's white has. 
But uh, in fact, uh, it's a huge vineyard, almost more like a district in a way. And there's a lot of different parts to it. And a lot of it goes to not very prestigious wine. Yeah, that's amazing on that slope. It's that um, it was like great. And we knew that it was a, for a long, long time that it was a great on the greatest vineyard, perhaps one of the greatest in the Loire Valley, not just in Saumur. Just because of the castle of Brezé, because the on the 18th century, one of the owners, the Marquis de Drobrezé, he was in charge of all the ceremony at the Versailles court. So he got some white wine from Brezé in all the European courts, were just famous. And so then the generation after generations, sometimes when you get some good souls, it's not the name of Chateau Brezé that makes the wines. It's just the work that you did on the souls, the passion that you got. And so year after year, they, they lose the control of the souls. They decided to make a lot of big quantity, big yield. They harvest everything at the same time. They, they make some sparkling. So nobody's uh, care for the last 50 years of the wine of the Chateau de Brésil. And I remember when I came back, uh, the first vinification, so nine and 10, I make some, because there, there were no commercializations, just nothing. I need to rebuild everything. And so I remember one time, it was like in, uh, in Bordeaux at a wine fair or something like that. And uh, Japanese people just stopped at my uh, stand and then I said, yeah, do you want to taste? I said, ah, I know Chateau Brésil, I don't want to taste. It got this bad image of tasting. It, it, it don't taste my wine just before to taste it. No, it's not good. We got a very big challenge to, to do. And then to... Uh, to answer the question is just because of this less than, that is amazing, less than one hectare of the Clorougeau because they decided to make uh, great wines and that they understand how to manage that juice, how to manage that juice from Brésil because it's very hard. And also because that guy, it's like me, we, we are not afraid with the, with the acidity. It's like a gift for us, but you need to manage it. And so with this less than one hectare that they wake up the name of Brezé. Not having visited Brezé, and what should I be thinking about to understand better the subject? So when we test the wines from uh, Clorouja, from Domaine Guiberto, they are more like impact wines with a lot of clay, even if it's uh, on on that uh, shallow salt, it gives a lot of texture and some power to the wines. And on the opposite, me, and because also I'm more focus of the elegant wines and pure acidity and lets the time that the texture of the salts give give something in the middle of the mouth. I don't want to to work with this impact uh, wine at the beginning when, when the wine is young. For the white, for example, we clean the barrels. We don't work with too much new wood. We don't work with the heavy lease. We don't uh, make some batonnage. It stays very clean and pure. So when your wine is young, it's not very easy to understand, but at the end, it lets some space for the souls to put his own texture on the wines. So yes, when, when you speak about Brézé, it's not like in Burgundy or even if there is a classification, everything is like on average the same souls. In Burgundy, you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. In Brézé, it's very heterogeneous. So when you speak about Brézé, just, uh, or you order a bottle of Brézé, white or red, try to understand what kind of soul is behind this and with the, the, the winemaker. It's, uh, we are just four, so you can just, uh, it's very easy. 
Because everything else goes to the co-op, basically, of that hill. Yes, yes, it's uh, that's the story of uh, our regions because in New York everybody know uh, Brezé, but just because of this four uh, wine uh, winemaker, the other people they are more uh, wine grower. They make a good job, but you know they they put the grapes to the to the cooperative. They don't trust it in in their uh, salts at this time. Perhaps it will change. It's very uh, new for us to make some wine to be involved at 100% in the wines. A lot of people, they, the, the first time on average, because of course I'm not talking about the Clorouge, but the first time that the people, they, they bottled some wines uh, with big quantity was in 1970, not before. So just a few times and they make some wines. Sometimes they make some apples. Sometimes they, they farm also something. So they make some quantities, you know, and they were not involved in quality. Uh, they don't make a lot of studies to to know how to make some vinifications to age the wines, and also on the on that two uh, slope, two village of Saint Cyr Brezé, more than 50, 60 years ago, like seventy percent of the the, the, the that uh, slope were uh, planted in Chenin, but Chenin to make sparkling, so like a lot of production, big grapes. And when they, they tried to make at this time some uh, dry white wines, you know, on the same uh, plot, they just one time they cut the grapes to make some sparkling, then come back to make dry white wines, then come back sometimes to make some desert wines. So nothing was good. So now there is a more uh, classifications. When you want to make some sparkling, you make some sparkling. A lot of... Um, plot have been replanted with very good selection of uh, grapes of the Chenin, which are less uh, sensitive to the botrytis, and because that's also the problem. The Chenin, the berries are very tight, and each time you get too much water during, because we harvest around the, in October, I begin the harvest at the 20th of September for the sparkling, and then finish our 23, 20... 4 of October with the Clomazuric for the red. So you get sometimes a lot of rain. And with the Chenin, if you get uh, your Chenin planted and uh, like uh, EV clay, just when it's raining, you get just 20 hours to cut your grapes after it was like a big explosion. And so that's why also with the new selections, the grapes are less sensitive to that. That's also the fact in Brezé, because on my soil, I don't have any clay. I don't care about the water. The drainage is real quick. Yes. It's like the Claude de la Rue in Brazil or the Southwest. The nature makes everything perfect. Uh, you get some stone. You get uh, some uh, alluvion from 25th You get some clay, but not too much. So you get everything. You just need to be concentrated and then cut the grapes. And on the other place, sometimes you are always thinking to rebalance the nature. If it's on the northwest, you wait more. If it's too much on the south, you need to harvest earlier. And sometimes you get that Claude clo de la Rue that you just, everything is there. From my own palate, tasting the 12, the Claude de la Rue of the Chenin seems like the most complete wine. Yes, there is everything. As I said, it's, uh, you get some sun uh, because it's, uh, the exposition is on the west part. You got this uh, piece of uh, gray stone which drain the soils and also keep the heat during the night. And then this 25 centimeters of alluvions, 
which uh, make the wines very straight with this citrus taste specific uh, from Brésil. And then this 10 centimeters of clay, it gives just the texture, the volumes in at the beginning, the two first seconds in the mouth, but not too much. You get everything, but never too much. When you say, oh, it will be heavy or too, it's a no. So you get a lot of uh, uh, weight, yes, but uh, not heavy. And like you said, at one point, the Appalachian system really put the wines into a, a broader category, but it, the owner at the time argued that they deserved to be on their own. Yes. So the, the owner of Brézé, they, they get around like 2,000 hectares just around the castle. There is perhaps 13 claws in Brézé, I got eight. And so when I look at that for my soles, the, the soles on the claw are very unique. The walls have been uh, uh, like built at the place where the terroir or the soles change. And so, but when I came back, because I'm more like, I like, you know, the Burgundy and Burgundy wine, of course. So it was natural for me to make the selection of the claw and rent uh, its claw on different uh, vinification. Really, you're talking about for white Chenin Blanc and for red Cabernet Franc. Yes, it's, uh, yeah, of course, it's, uh, yes, for me, it's like, uh, <laughs> uh, I use only that grapes. But in our regions, you can find in Saumur uh, some Chenin, but l I, I would say uh, now not less and less, but like a few decades less and less Chenin. And Cabernet Franc, and also you get a part of Cabernet Sauvignon, but don't make something very, because it's more a power and so on the limestone and with the lack of of temperature of sun at the end uh, for us, uh, never obtained something very interesting with the Cabernet Sauvignon. I like your rosé, sparkling, that you made yes. from Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah, that's the, the that one of the ways to use to use it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but if you want to make some uh, some great reds, and, and perhaps also because I'm more like focused on elegant wines, so that perhaps it's like, it's like that. But 90% it's Cabernet Franc. And sometimes you get some Cabernet Sauvignon and sometimes Pinot Donis, which gives something very uh, like uh, paper uh, tasting. And for the white, it's uh, Chenin and a part of Chardonnay that we use more for the sparkling sometimes. And now for the Saumur Blanc, it's uh, more and more Chenin. We can't use Chardonnay. That is good because uh, that's also why the Chenin is not was not very well known. It's because you can find some Chenin with with a lot of Chardonnay. You can find some Saumur Blanc with a lot with a malolactic. You can find some Saumur Blanc with uh, seven grams of sugar. So the wines were totally different. Now now it's more and more focused on the on the balance with the acidity. But for me at this time, there is too much people who are afraid with this this acidity. They don't know what to do with with it. But at the end, as I said, there is there were less and less Chenin. It's because they reprint a lot of Cabernet Franc, because also of that um, new AOP, Saumur Champagne, is uh, 1957. So and it goes very well in the 80s. So and not the white. So in my village of saint cyr now there is perhaps 95 percent which is uh, planted in Cabernet Franc. 
one century ago was perhaps uh, just Shona. And so there were a lack of Shona, the, for example, in the, the AOP Saumur Champigny. In the world AOP, there is like 80,000 hectoliters on average every year. The Saumur Blanc, it's just like 15,000 hectoliters. So give you the, the impact. So it's uh, in our region of Saumur, even perhaps you know more Saumur for the, for the white. There is only, not only, of course, but a lot, a lot of red uh, grapes that are used. Because obviously, Chenin and Cabernet Franc are made in neighboring communes in the Loire. So how would you say that summer Champagne's red differs from Bourgogne or Chinon? And how would you say that the summer whites of Chenin differ from Vouvray, Malouis, or, you know, Savigny? For me, the Chenin and the Cabernet Franc are... So very uh, good grape to transmit transmit the, the quality of the soils. There, are, if you sometimes if you taste other other um, grapes, they are very aromatic, or you can make some uh, sometimes some wines without any soils. I'm just not joking, but uh, sometimes you can just do aromatic things with the Chenin and the Cabernet. That's also why uh, sometimes in our regions, so that I, I said, the people that are afraid with this acidity, you need to have very good salts to take care about the salt, to have salts like in life, to to have salts with a full energy to transmit that to the plant, to the vegetals, and then to the grapes. And the Chenin and the Cabernet Franc, it's just so good for that. And so then... It explained that when you test a Chenin from uh, Savenier, a Chenin with on the, more on the schist, Chenin in Anjou, Chenin in Saumur, which in Brézé, for example, this uh, and Saint-Cyr, with this very shallow salt, you test like limestone. It's very straight and, and pure. And so if you test the Chenin from Mont-Louis, it's another uh, type more, uh, more delicate, more elegant sometimes with a different flavor but less traits than in uh, in Saumur. So that's because of that grapes. If we use another grapes, perhaps it won't be like that. And that's why also sometimes the wines, the, 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 even the Cabernet, the Saumur Champigny or Saumur, or also the, 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 the white for the Chenin, the wine don't taste, uh, it's not taste good, but you don't really understand the wines. It's because just they use the bad soils. And so everything for the Chenin specifically. So because in the Saumur Champigny, if you plant some, if you use some Chenin, you, you are in the AOC Saumur. But uh, because of this famous uh, AOP, for me, the most of the good soils have been replanted in reds. So when now the people decided to plant some Chenin, on average, it's on the bottom. It's on the like EV, uh, not EV, but deep soils. It's not good for the Chenin. They make some grapes, but there is a problem with that. So that's why also I'm very lucky. I got uh, like four hectares in Saint-Cyrambourg, just on the top of the slope. But because it's been eroded, I got heavy clay, but not more than 55 centimeters. So that gives some texture to the wine. And that's the same in Brésé. In Brésé, I got like 15 hectares uh, on white and in Saint-Cyr, uh, four. So like, close to 20 hectares on the wine. I'm the only one like that. And all the, the people, uh, they, the winemaker, except uh, 
Romain Guiberto and also Antoine Foucault. Antoine, he gets perhaps four hectares or five of Sona. A lot of uh, winery, they get just less than one hectare, two hectares, and not sometimes in a good place. So you're saying that if there was such a thing as a white summer Champagne, which there's not, people might be more inclined to keep the Shannon in their parcel. But because Chambord Champagne, which is red only, is the more famous appellation, people are inclined to pull out Shannon and plant red where they can get that appellation, which is not Brezé, but they can in other parts. Yeah, but uh, also in Brezé, you know, now in Brezé, I don't have the exact uh, percentage, but uh, I'm sure that there is uh, more than 65, perhaps 70% of that slope, which is uh, planted with uh, red grapes. And also, uh, when I thought about this, uh, people who refuse to to go on that AOP Sommer Champigny, that's perhaps uh, we are lucky now. Because, I see. Because it would all be gone. All the gone. Shannon would be gone. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's, and it's probably a better Shannon terroir. That's yeah. I, I, I'm very like uh, in love with the red that I'm doing now because they are very like pure, like elegant, just something amazing. You know, I, I like this type of wines, but it's not very easy to obtain. You need to work a lot. We, on that slope of Brezé, we we make a lot of work on that vineyards. We, there is no grass under the row or into the row since 2009. That perhaps now we'll begin, but so it's a lot of works. We had a lot of... Uh, uh, organic compost every year, but not a lot to to go to a well balanced, but step by step, we change all the pots. We sometimes we roll, you know, the 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 leaves. We don't cut it. We we make very uh, big work with my team, so it's not very easy. But at the end, when you do that, you touch something which is unique. And for me, I know it's Cabernet Franc, but my aim will be to go on the way in my mind. The last time I test something just amazing, it was from uh, Frédéric Munier, Les Amoureuses, 2001. And I got that in my mind. So it's Cabernet Franc, but I run on that way. So walk me through the different clothes then on the Brezé Hill that you work. You have several, and half of them are in white and half of them are in red. Uh, yes, there is uh, on the 20 hectares, there is 11 hectares uh, on white, and so the rest on, on the red. So you get, the, for the white, you get the Clos du Château, just in front of the castle that I used. I used to make the sparkling because the selection of the plant, I tried to make some white wines, but now I just stopped because the raw materials, the dessiner makes too much yield, was there, I think, to make some sparkling. And also there is a, a lot of Chardonnay at each place. So I use the Chardonnay to make the sparkling. And Chardonnay and Brezé make something straight. There are not a lack of acidity, so it's not a problem. But then you get that claw. And then for the white, you get the biggest claw in Brezé. It's Claude Midi. It's like eight hectares. Like six hectares for the Chenin. And then on the bottom, it's uh, one hectare and a half of Cabernet Franc to make some uh, sparkling rosé. It's uh, I, I use that and then nine uh, row on the Clos du Toulouse, which uh, uh, are not Cabernet Franc but Cabernet Sauvignon. So then this Clos de Midi, then we got on the northeast, it's a Clos David, which is more uh, pure sand, no stone, but 45 centimeters on limestone. So 
you get this uh, wind, it's very uh, late harvest and we need to wait, so it's very straight and pure. And then on the southwest, you get the Clos de la Rue, which is two hectares, just this amazing salt there. And then for the red, uh, there is another Clos for the, for the white, which is called Clos de Bonne Nouvelle. I use it sometimes for the sparkling and sometimes to make some dessert wine. It depends of the of the year. Uh, I don't want to to make a specific cuvee on that uh, claw because the taste of the grapes are very like weird. I don't know what is it, but it's good when you make some sparkling or some dessert. But when you want some still white wines, don't make something interesting at this uh, time. And then for the red, there is three claw. So claw Maseric on the west part, but on a cold soil. So that's why we, that's the latest uh, claw that we harvest. When we have that, that, that claw, it's finished. So it's very pure and mineral. So that's this beautiful acidity who brings all the very delicate aromatic things until the end. And so when I get the analyze of the reds, when I look at the analyze like pH on acidity, I don't care when I harvest, I just test the grapes. But then after, just uh, have a look. The pH and the uh, and the, the, the acidity are the same than the, the white. So that's why you don't need to work just to work in infusions and do nothing during the vinifications. Then we get uh, on the south, it's the Clos du Toulouse, which is two hectares, piece of uh, limestone on the top, and then alluvion of 70 to 80 centimeters so it gives more texture to the wine so i aged that wines two years one years in barrels but three years old barrels and then in tank and then in bottles and then the last last claw for the reds uh, which is an amazing claw it's a claw d'etoile it's one hectare 50 and on that claw it is the only one which is like that i got two different type of salts uh some like deep sand, one more than one meters, one meters twenty. And then at the middle of the um, of the row, you just go on very heavy uh heavy clay with a lot of stone. So you got the power and you get something very mineral. So I had that wine for three years with two years in barrels and then the rest between tank and bottles. So it's interesting because what you do do is take a different approach to each clow in terms of the vinification and sometimes the vessel and the amount of time. So what were you thinking about when you kind of customized your vinification for each clow? I mean, you've already given some indication just now, but what it was important when you said, okay, this is going to be in tank, this is going to be barrel ferment, this is going to be concrete ferment. Why did you make those choices? That's the the experience. You know, at the beginning... When you make some wines, you just you just make some wines. You took your grapes, put it in tank, do what you need to do, and then when I came back uh, in Brésil and even in my domain, I thought that I, I needed like ten years to make my own wine. So, beginning you make some wine, and then you after years you begin to understand the, how the the soils give something specific to the grapes, and when you transform it. Sometimes you 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 can just test or feel if you are on the wrong way or not. And so that's more a question of experience because nobody uh, cared of that salt before me for the last 50 years. So I couldn't uh, ask somebody to say, tell me how 
I need to run, make the vinification on that claw, on that claw. So at the beginning, everything was the same. For example, for the, for the white, Claude du Midi or Claude David, Claude Daru, everything was in tank. And then now the Claude Midi stay in tank because that's the first cuvee. I want to stay on the fresh fruits. For example, the 16, they are still in bottle at this time. And it's because the, it's very sunny weather. There is a lot of power, uh, a lot of weight on that wines. And I don't want that with the aging to lose that freshness. So I want to like, uh, close that wine in bottles now. And perhaps next year it will be different. All the, all the thing I'm doing, it's always for the wine, not just because of what I want. It's just the wine. So my sensation with the wine. And so the Claude David and Claude Larue, they are, uh, fermented and aging 50% in food and 50% in barrels. And then, so on the barrels, for example, we, at the beginning, all the barrels, they stay in the winery uh, in Brézé because we can control the temperature with the alcoholic fermentation. But the temperature was very cold during the, the winter. So since 2012, we cleaned all the barrels in December and just begin another aging uh, with the barrels on my undergrounds in Saint-Cyrambourg. And then the temperature, it's more around 13 to 14. Then you can uh, speak about aging. If you are less than uh, 12 or 11 degrees, you just stuck the wine. That changed also a lot. And then, so also you learned what kind of barrels, what kind of cooperage of heat, of age of barrels could go to the wine. And for example, the Claude David, you just need to take the time to listen to the nature. The, the Claude David, it's on the northeast. It's sand. There is no clay. So it's very straight, a lot of acidity. If you use too much new barrels, you get this uh, tasting of the new barrels, but I, I don't care. But it's the new barrels gives more acidity to the wine, more sensation of acidity. Maybe because of reduction, showcases reduction differently or... Yeah, I don't know, but uh, with my testing, I, I know that it's like that. If you want to like uh, make more final to wines, use more uh, new barrels. It's like that. So the Clodavid don't need that. So for the first time with the 16, we just uh, use barrel of one year and two years old. And on the opposite, more new barrels for the Coulet de Saint-Cyr, which is on EV clay. So that's experience. That's just, but it's, so that's what I want to do. And every year to improve my knowledge. And then after to transmit that to the, the guy, guy or girl, or I don't know, the, the manager will come after me. So it's, uh, I will run that vineyard for more than 20, now 22 years. So I got the time to learn. You have a long-term lease as well. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. I got some. So it's very interesting because you can work with the time. I don't make the, the thing very quickly. Just uh, learn. And then for the red, it's the same. So Claude Mazuric, even the Claude Midi, I could edge that wine. It's very uh, big barrel or big food. But, you know, it's very pure. It's very, it's beautiful like that. So just, uh, I just want to to bottle the wines like quickly. Uh, I already make uh, one bottling for the, the 16 Clos Mazuric. On the opposite, Le Clos du Toulouse. I don't have some clay, but more texture on the sauce, so more macerations. And so you need to edge the wines. 
So we just bottled the 16 for the Clos Mazuric and begin to sell the 14 for the Clos du Toulouse, begin to sell the 11 for the Clos de l'Etoile. So it depends on the, of the, what is the power of the soils. It's very easy to make some wine. But it's interesting because the soils are so different than the Sancerre de Abu, which is where the San Juice winery and where your home is. And at the same time, those are the vineyards usually with your older vines because you have 45-year-old vines in Sancerre Abu, which you don't have in Brazé. So the soils are a little different. What do you see working with those? Like, how does the clay affect the level of extraction? Does it affect the reduction? The top soil is different. So Sancerre Abu is more clay on limestone. Brezé on micro is more like on average sand and alluvions, but the size of the soil is the same. So the part where it gets to the bedrock is the same. Uh, there is a clay of sand. There is not more than 70 centimeters of soils. So I've got in this two slope a lot of acidity and so I need to be very uh, delicate for the when I make the macerations. We are talking about the red, and so so I, I'm making the same vinifications uh, in between, for example, the Clos Mazuric and in Saint-Cyr, I got the Terre Rouge, or it's Clos du Toulouse and Monte des Roches, or Clos d'Etoile and Clos Molton. It's the same for the vinification. Then, when I age the wines, and you're talking about uh, reductions, and sometimes I'm learning every year, so it's because of this conversation we had in middle of uh, February, You, you talk about reduction in the wines, and I never just uh, thought about that. Oh, okay. Yeah? Well, and I'm free for consulting if you need any. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> and, but uh, so with that, you know, I began to, I said, yeah, there is more clay in Saint-Cyr, so there is more reductions. You need to be patient to understand, understand the wine, even white or red. And I say, yeah, make more, you have to make more soutirage, you know, uh, make more aerations on the wine of Saint-Cyr than on Brézé. And that's, that's why. So I'm preparing the, so just the, the after you, 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 our Skype, uh, I just say to my, uh, the guy who worked with me at the winery, say, yeah, we are preparing the bottling of the Claude Larue, Claude David and Coulet Saint-Cyr uh, 15. And perhaps at the end of April or beginning of May, I say, yeah, perhaps we need to rack over the Coulet Saint-Cyr. No. <laughs> well, hopefully it's going to work I will, out. I will send you a bottle. Well, yeah, well, watch, watch in a year when you're like, you're an asshole. Yeah. You told me to do that and it destroyed everything. It's like you know? oxidation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All my wine's <laughs> oxidized now. So it's But like, uh, no, no, because the it's I learn every year. And so the first step was to rebuild the balance in the soils then understand how to make the vinifications, then make great aging. And then now it's to control the wines and to make the beautiful wines as possible when you bottle it. Because if you bottle a wine which is not ready to be just for drink, even if it's too young, it's never be ready. I bottled at the beginning some wine in 2005 when I came back and when you test the wines, they are not ready I, i don't i'm not sure that they will be ready one time but it's interesting i mean something that you haven't mentioned and i think it's a conscious choice and i think you're not mentioning because it it's like not even on your thought process to include it is botrytis you're definitely excluding it from your wines and you haven't mentioned that as one of the 
things you decided to do, but clearly you decided to do that because it's not in them. So. In Breze, I don't have a lot of botrytis because, you know, that sands, the water don't stay on the first centimeters. So I don't have that problem. But in Saint-Cyr with the clay, if we need, we just make a first selection in all the vineyards to cut all the grapes uh, with botrytis. And when you cut the grapes with botrytis early, you don't have that bad botrytis, you can use it. But use it for the, the cuvee. It will give a lot of power, a lot of good things, but you need to to have in your mind that you need to sell and then your wine needs to be drink like in the two, three years. Because you think it'll lead to oxidation. For me, when I, I thought that when I put some botrytis, it's very uh, hard to balance the wines. And because I, I don't want to use a lot of sulfur, so less and less. So the juice needs to be very clean and with not this potential of oxidation with the botrytis. When I spoke with Clément Barreau, that's really what he told me, is that when they used to use botrytis in the dry wines, they used to hit them with a lot of sulfur, like a lot. It's just for me, because I'm the first, uh, like, uh, I don't know if it's a good word, but the first drinker or of my uh, of my wine. I don't want to have, have uh, like, wait for 10 years or have a headache every morning. So I like, uh, I'm like an addictive to Brezé, so I'll drink a lot of Brezé wine. <laughs> and, and also on my wine, each time I use Potratis, each time I don't make any good selection because when we, when we harvest, we harvest in little box. So we put the, the, all the bunch of grapes in the, in the pneumatic press. Then we could select the juice and between the, the first quarter, then one or one and a half, and then the, the last press, the juice are totally different. So if you add that to the botrytis, you can make like a unbalanced wines, which is, which you, you, you can't control it. And then you don't know where you go. And each time I did that, my wines, they were just uh, undrinkable. So the key for you is no botrytis and a clean must for the white. Do you depress the grapes as soon as they come into the winery or do you give it a day or? Uh, no, I don't make some skin contact. Each time the box arrives to the winery, we put it in the press. So sometimes it could take like, I don't know, one hour to fill the, 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 the press. But then we, we just uh, start. Next year, we won't use any any sulfur for the vinifications, but you need to work very quickly. So how long is a typical ferment for a white? It just, for me, it's just a question of the salts. If your salts is balanced, if you get some energy, everything is there. It's just under your feet. It's so at the beginning, I remember the 2009 and 10, the alcoholic fermentation just uh, stopped beginning in October, stopped in December, then restart in, in the spring and sometimes never finish. So I bottle some wine with uh, some sugar or less. And so not a few, but sometimes. And so the wine is like quite uh, tired with this. And now we got very good uh, uh, ripe fruit without a lot of uh, degrees and even this year. But so there is a lot of energy on the wine. So the alcoholic fermentation, it just uh, take like two weeks, three weeks. And so if it's cold at the end, because uh, I control the temperature for its barrels, so we just 
uh, increase the temperatures to 20 degrees to be sure that at the, the end of November, everything will be finished because I don't want any malolactic fermentation. I need to control that. So very clean macerations. And then uh, we wait uh, and we, we work over, we clean the, the EVLs at the end. But it's, uh, yes, the, the, the time that uh, alcoholic fermentation uh, take it's just a question of, uh, of the, the energy in the soils. And how do you feel about fine leaves? How long does juice usually stay in contact with fine leaves? So in the barrels, I always work with a very finest uh, lease. And it's st- we, we make a lot of batonnage for the, during the alcoholic fermentations to have a support for the yeast. But then when it's finished, we let the wine like that. And so the lees, they fall down. Uh, so it's between December. And also with the cold temperature, it's easier. And then for the Claude David, Claude Larue, Coulet de Saint-Cyr, we clean the barrels. And so rock over and bring the barrels to my uh, underground. So we put the juice, but very clean juice in, in the barrels. Because I will edge the wines for a long time, like perhaps one year and a half, two years. So the salts have the time to come back. I don't need the lease to do that. And but on the opposite for the Claude Midi or the Perrier, because I know that I will uh, bottle the wines on the on next spring, just six months of aging. I let the wines on the total lease because then uh, I won't use any sulfur because you got these predictions. That's always the problem. If you get some times, it's easier that if you need to like uh, shake the nature. She don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you think is next for you? I mean, you have 40 hectare now. That's a lot. You're in two different sectors, some some divergent soil types, a few different bottlings, more different bottlings than most dry Shannon producers I know. I will change all my label and so put the name on the top of the of the, of the slope. So it will be Brézé, uh, the name of the clue. I got a lot of monopoles, so put that more, give more information to be very proud of the of the the claw and then of course the the name of the AOP the vintage and then my name and like winemaker in Brazil I like this uh. and then I run also another vineyard uh, on the AOP Saumur Champigny is in uh, Montsoreau just a few hectares another challenge to understand the soils but uh, deeper soils that EV clay so in the next five years it will be the there's a challenge to to try to make the good vinification as possible and that the people just understand that. So you mentioned the severe frost in 16, but what have been some of the other vintage characteristics since 2010 when you got started with the Brazé property? So what's happened? And also with bottlings we haven't seen released yet. 10 was a it very hard for me to speak about uh, the vintage even to Brézé, which was very bad health, the vineyards, uh, but also in Saint-Cyr because we just uh, came from the conversion in organic culture. And with that in Saint-Cyr, with that, uh, like all vineyards, the plants from our nine and 10 have been very stressed. And so, and also because I was uh, on the way to rebalance, to work the soils, it's, it was never a question of, uh, vintage but more question of energy on the soils i'm 
I'm always talking about that, but uh, so 10 was great, but for me, it was just the beginning. So uh, it was sunny, good weather. But you know, when you test my wines, sometimes you test that uh, it was a little bit unbalanced. So the 11 was very warm uh, vintage, which is very good. But when you test the Claude L'Etoile, it's, uh, it will arrive on the market in a few weeks. You get that freshness, which is just unique because of Brésé. So then the 12, it was just like a quiet vintage, but with the power of the, of the soils. But 13, I don't know where was the sun, but from April to September, uh, somebody just closed. I don't know. There was a roof, <laughs> a roof with uh, some rain. So I don't know what happened in our regions. But with that, you understand the power. That's at this time that I understand the power of my soul in Brazil because we did what we could for the vinifications and especially for the white. You got that very big acidity, very low pH. And so I decided to, to use more new barrels on that vintage which was good because uh, sometimes it's just a sensation. And so when we just harvest to test the juice, it was like a water, citrus water. And say, whoa, it's... I, I said that I don't want to make some interventions, but sometimes you need. And so I remember a sentence from Charlie Foucault, and he said, sometimes you need to bring the sun in the underground, in the cave, you know? And the sun for the white, sometimes it's the, the wood. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So sometimes you make some intervention to help the nature because certain. And so with that, the, the certain are, the vintage are, are, uh, don't have very good reputations. But when you test the Claude David 13, the Claude Larue, it was perhaps better than the other vintage. And then 14, it was the first time for me, like the, my first like level because we, all the work we did on the soils that the nature gave me back all the energy that we gave her. And then also I decided to make more uh, harvest in little cases, less uh, use less sulfur, a lot of different things. It was also the first vintage that we could decide the perfect depth for the harvest. 13 was just uh, the storm. And 12, I'm sure there is some rain before or... Uh, uh, just uh, before a very good ripe, uh, but 14, it was very quiet and very uh, clean uh, October. So you can just uh, taste the grapes and have this sensation of just exotic fruit, but then citrus at the end. And so that was just amazing for that. But with a lot of uh, sun, the wines are very rich and less clean than the 15. For me, the 15, they are not bottles, but they are just amazing. When you test the 14 and the 15, the 15, there is very this sensation of like a very pure, less uh, heavy than the 14. And then the 16, the vegetal gets a lot of problem with cold temperature, so stress during May and June, then stress with the very hot uh, weather in uh, August. So for the Cabernet Franc, it was good because for us, a good vintage uh, is made in September for the Cabernet Franc. So, and because also I, I got a lot of acidity, I don't care if, the, if the, the, the ripeness is perhaps a bit too much, it stays very clean and pure and there is a lot, a lot of energy on that uh, wines. 
that, that they never have been like that. So I'm very proud of that. And because also we we don't use any sulfur, that lets all the place to the, the energy of the soul. So and but for the white, when you taste the white, it was always very tannic. And so I didn't know when I when I harvest uh, what to think about that vintage. I was very afraid with that very tannic taste. We wait a long time. We harvest uh, the Claude David uh, was in the 20th of October. So like we, we harvest all the rest of the, 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 the plot of the white uh, on the Chenin and then stopped and then wait for more than one week. Then harvest the red and then come back on that clue. And when we make a very great and big uh, work at the winery, big selections, and when you taste it, yes, a lot of power, a lot of weight, it's not heavy with this acidity because the level of alcohol grows then the the ripeness became to be very interesting but because of that stress we keep a lot a lot of acidity so that's this uh two side of the wines the ripeness and the acidity the ph of the Claude david is just around like 2.85 it's just uh but when you test the wine it's just great Arnaud Lambert is looking for sensations of taste in Samoa. Thank you very much for being here today. Ah, thank you for inviting me. I was very pleased for me to speak of about my two slopes and Sion Brezé. Thank you. Arnaud Lambert of Domaine Saint-Just, as well as Chateau de Brezé, both in the future to be known as Arnaud Lambert. All Drink to That is hosted and produced by myself, Levy Dalton. Aaron Scala has contributed original pieces. Editorial assistance has been provided by Bill Kimsey. The show music was performed and composed by Rob Moose and Thomas Bartlett. Show artwork by Alicia Tenoyan. T-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, and so much more, including show stickers, notebooks, and even gift wrap are available for sale if you check the show website, alldrinktothatpod.com. That's I-L-L, drinktothatpod.com, which is the same place you'd go to sign up for our email list or to make one of the crucially important donations that help keep this show operating. You can donate from anywhere using PayPal or Stripe on the show website. Remember to hit subscribe or to follow this show in your favorite podcast app, please. That's super important to see every episode. And thank you for listening.